Well, grab your Bibles with me this morning and turn to the letter of James. We are uh, two sermons away from finishing this journey in these three pages in your Bible. James is a short letter, only five chapters long, and what a joy it has been to study it with you over these last months. Since we opened our new campus here in, in June, we've been on this journey together, and it has been so sweet. You'll find James just after Hebrews, towards the very back of your Bible, and just before 1 Peter. If you need a Bible, we have some in the back there for you. I'd love for you to continue to just become familiar with the Holy Scriptures as we submit ourselves to them, as our God would lead and direct us. God is good. I'm excited to preach this morning, uh, continuing this sermon series that we're calling Faith at Work. And uh, going to preach James chapter 5, verse 16 through 18 today uh, in a sermon that I'm calling Faith at Work, part 2. We saw in verses 14 and 15 a couple weeks ago a uh, call to prayer and unique parts of prayer as elders pray and um, others are called to pray. And, and we really see the second part of that plea lived out uh, in this part of the text. We, we really slowed down last week. Uh, to look at the very first words of verse 16. And James called that we would confess our sins to one another. What uh, an important practice for the believer that is. Uh, And uh, I just want to take a minute this morning and kind of recap what we did last week. If you missed that sermon, I'd encourage you to go back to the podcast and grab it uh, online. James 5.16, Therefore, confess your sins to one another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. The word confession in the Greek means to agree together with. To confess means to agree together with. When we confess our sin, we are admitting that we sinned. We are acknowledging it. I sinned. That's what this is. We're agreeing with God that it is indeed sin and not something else. We're not making excuses about it. We're not calling it something that it's not. We're rightly calling it sin. That's what confession is. Confession is how we make war with sin in a daily way. It's our way of bringing it or dragging it into the light. 1 John 1.7, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Confessing our sins to one another is helpful because it's a way we are blessed by the body of Christ uh, to be given counsel and accountability, to be prayed for, as we're going to talk about today, as we make war with our sin and effort not to return to it. To walk in the light and to stay in the light is the hope, is our effort. It is the ministry of one another as we do this, as we confess our sin to one another, that helps bring about real repentance. Confession always precedes repentance. Confession is something we say. It's agreeing with God that this is sin. But we can't stop there. We must turn from that sin with repentance. We must not stay on that course, but be humbled. And in light of the gospel, in light of the convictions of the truths of God, we take up a new path that honors God, that doesn't repeat the sin. That's repentance. Confession of sin to one another is not, it's not just enough humility to say I messed up it's being humble enough to say help me see what I'm not seeing so I don't do it again I'm really blessed this week at the plethora of feedback that I received and that I've heard that our elders have heard um, since last week's sermon on confess your sins to one another. Many of you didn't just 
here and then walk away. You, you, you did, you acted, as James earlier in this letter calls us to. That we would not just be hearers, we would be doers. You didn't just leave your conviction on the pew and then go about your week. No, you, you got to work. You did some business. Many of you sought others and you confessed sin and were encouraged and prayed for and held accountable. You put your faith to work as you lived out what God clearly calls us to in his word. How sweet it is when we do this. Instead of keeping each other at arm's length, when we invite each other in, when we want to be humble, when we want to hear, when we want to be prayed for and helped, to see what we don't see, may we really live out the one another's. May we fight at every turn to not be right in our own eyes, to not, to not make it our way, and, and I've got this all wrapped up, but that we would constantly want to be checked along the way. This is... Um, an extra special part of, of what it was for me to get to hear about you going to work this week is, is that many of you, you did this with joy. You, you really did. You were joyfully convicted by God. Yes, this is what I want to do. I want to invite you into this. To hear the meetings that happened among you, among brothers and sisters in Christ, really cause our heart to sing. The fruit of repentance at work, bringing healing, bringing truth, growing in Christ. Praise be to God for this. Amen? This is the beautiful fruit of when we practiced the one another's. That that term, one another, we see 60 times throughout the New Testament. It is clearly an important priority for we who belong to, to the body of Christ, to practice the one another's. The church, we are one another. We have two one another's in this simple verse, James 5.16, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. As we practice the one another's, we get to experience the love of Christ as he works in and through his people known as the church. This is truly good news as the living God, the holy and supreme God of all creation, elected in His sovereign grace to save His people into something very special, an eternal family. Think about that. This is a family unlike any other family. In our unity as a family, God has given us a very special relationship with one another. That he wants us to value dearly, to protect, to invest into, and to cultivate. It is our deep longing here at Disciples Church as we study God's word that what you would experience is something very different than the modern church that's just so happy to have you come and attend and and do your thing and drop some money in the bucket and maybe show up once in a while. But that you would be invested. You would be known. You would be a blessing to others and truly be a part of one another as God has saved us to be. And what's fun is if you spend a little time with some of those of you who are newer and been around this last six months or a couple years, this is what you'll hear out of these people. I never knew church could be like this. And and praise God. And, And is it anything extra special that we're doing or adding? No. We've just efforted to strip away the distractions and just be a biblical church as best we can. And God is at work. Amen? Amen. So we lean in today to this second one another we see in this passage. And in doing so, we circle back to James' emphasis of, of prayer as he's preparing to close his letter. A letter focused on faith that should remain at work. And one of the ways it remains at work is that we are to be praying for one another. So look with me, James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another 
that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The first thing we must understand is that without gospel renewal, there is no prayer and there is no one another. Think about that with me. The phrase one another is one word in the original language, in the Greek. It just means mutuality. The phrase speaks of a united body, the united church, the children of God, the unity that we have in Christ. We must see that there is no one another without the saving grace of Jesus, without the gospel. The God of the Bible is a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, God the Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons who are one God. For eternity past, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have communicated with each other. We humans are created in God's image to also talk with God and have relationship with God. This is the beautiful gift and practice of prayer. Because, though, of our sinful rebellion, we were separated from a holy God. Rightly so. So God the Son, Jesus Christ, put on flesh and lived the life that we should have lived without sin. And then He died the death, paid the penalty we should pay because of our sin. He did that in our place. He did this to ultimately conquer death and give us a gift that we cannot obtain through our works to give us salvation. In this we can be restored and reconciled to have an eternal relationship with God. This is the good news of the amazing grace of God to save undeserving sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is important to understand. We talk to God in prayer through the intercession of Jesus Christ. The way we communicate with God is by the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. 1 Timothy 2.5 For there is one God, there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Romans 8.15-16 For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Without salvation, church, without salvation in Jesus and the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, our prayers don't go further than the ceiling. Why? Because without faith, there's nothing to travel on. Without restoration to God the Father through the work of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, what are we doing? Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't hear everything and know everything. Surely He does. It's what Paul says in Romans 14.23 that it is so important. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. I am saying that... A prayer not made in true faith to God is not a prayer ever truly delivered to God. It's not a prayer you ever mailed. You don't believe in the one you're talking to, if not by faith. And are not, outside of Christ, not reconciled to Him, but an enemy of God, guilty of your, in your sin. Whatever is not done in faith is sin because it's not trusting God. Its action or its aim is man-made and man-centered. 
It is not for the glory of God. It's done with no regard of God. So this is what I mean when I said a moment ago. Without gospel renewal, there is no prayer and there is no one another. We have to start with the gospel. You must be saved and born again and made new. Empowered with the Holy Spirit. Reconciled to God the Father through the work of Christ. And adopted into the family of God that you are now a member of. A part of the one another. No longer an orphan. No longer an enemy of God. But a part of the eternal family of God. Who now lives to worship God and honor God with all that we are. Praise God for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Praise God that He sets us free from sin and enters us into an eternal relationship with one another and with Himself. If you have not truly confessed your sin before God and trusted your life to Jesus in faith, then repent and believe today and be saved. If God has given you eyes to see the beauty of this gospel and it wreck, it's wrecking you, that is a beautiful moment of, of regeneration by which you are seeing your sin and the beauty of God, your desperation for Jesus, by which you will say, I died of myself. I'm guilty in and of myself. I am desperate for Jesus. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I pray you would die to your own lordship and submit yourself to Jesus' lordship and be saved. Let's ask, what is prayer? Uh, According to the Word of Truth Catechism, question 102, a great help of simple doctrine, sound doctrine answers that we use to, to grow in our faith and understanding of what the Bible teaches The answer to what is prayer is this. Prayer is pouring out our hearts to God in praise, thanksgiving, confession of sin, expressing our request to Him while submitting to His sovereign will. Prayer is communicating with God the Father through God the Son by the power of God the Holy Spirit. It's Any attempt at prayer without the Holy Spirit at the helm of your heart will be a far and distant attempt to communicate with someone who feels very foreign and very distant. I spent time on this because it's important that you see that God is not far off. But that you experience the intimacy, the connection that you have in salvation with the Lord. Jesus models this in his own prayer, his communication with the Father while here on earth in the flesh, and specifically models this in what we call the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says, pray like this, our Father in heaven. Matthew 6, 9. Jesus first says, our. I want you to capture this, church. This is a cool thing to notice, and it helps us in our praying for one another. Because prayer is not just about me, it's not just about you. It's about our family. God's family. Look at the rest of the prayer. Matthew 6, 11-13. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus' emphasis of the family of God, one another, is on display here. It is God's great joy to unite us together into his family. Do you love being a part of God's family? Do you love one another, the us? How I pray you do. Because when sin is at work, you will throw away your family. You will throw off one another to have it your way. 
to be convinced you're the only one who sees it correctly. The one another's are such a blessing because they're a big way that God keeps our faith at work. They are a protection of plurality that none of us is ever to grow out of, but are blessed by every day to have with one another until God calls us home. Pray for one another. Jesus models this in his high priestly prayer in John 17. And I'm not going to go there because if I did, we'd spend hours. So wonderful. The high, one of the high points of Scripture, John 17. But I will mention Luke 22, 31 and 32. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. Jesus says, but I have prayed for you, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Church, we need to be praying for one another. Like I said a couple weeks ago, I, I want our church to be a praying church. I want it to be kind of ridiculous. Yeah, you, 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 can't, you can't keep moving when you run into those people from Disciples Church. Because they won't give you the passing by. They want to pray with you. And I'm not going to answer that phone call. Whatever it is, it's not going to be quick because they're going to want us to add some prayer. All right, that's good. Don't answer. I'll pray for you later. I'll pray for you when you don't answer. I'm praying. I want a church to be a praying church. God wants our church to be a praying church. That when we run into or talk to other members at Disciples Church, you get prayed for. What a blessing we would be if we would pray for one another more and more. Love it. I love it when he beats me to it. I was talking with Israel yesterday on the phone. About to hang up. He's like, no, no, let me pray for us. Yeah. Let's do that. Notice something else that speaks to family, to one another, that Jesus gives us here in the Lord's Prayer. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven. Fourteen times in the Old Testament, God is referred to as Father. In the context of Him being Father over all of Israel, over all creation. In the four Gospels, Jesus speaks to or about God as Father 60 times. There is no prayer to God where anyone addresses Him as Father until Jesus does. This is awesome. We need to get this. Your prayer life will not be joyfully life-giving unless you get this. God is not impersonal. He's not far away. He's present. He's not distracted or busy. He's involved intimately in your moment-by-moment life, in the moment-by-moment life of His children. He's actively at work in every moment of your life. He's more present than you know how to comprehend. The very mind that tries to comprehend it is working because God is at work in keeping the atoms and molecules and system of your mind and your body at work. That's how present He is, according to Scripture. Holding all things together, Colossians 1 tells us sustaining us. That chair underneath you right now is working because he's present. Gravity is working because he's present. He's the most present and caring father that you could ever know. He is our father in heaven. 
Jesus says in heaven there, he's not trying to make us think of something far away. See, that's what we do quickly. We think of Father far away. That's not what's meant by in heaven there. What are you picturing when you pray? A God that is far away? A God that you have to reach out to? No. Heaven here doesn't mean far away. It means high and exalted. It it means that He's sovereign. That He's the ruler over all things. There is no one or nothing that is not under His authority and rule. The language of the Bible is that the God of the universe chooses to adopt us into His family by the blood of the Son. So in Christ we know we have a new family, brothers and sisters, an everlasting family. He is a Father who won't let us down. He's always there for us. He's properly disciplining us shaping us and refining us he is a faithful follow father he is a good good father amen one of the biggest misunderstandings of prayer is that it is simply a religious tool to get what you hope for or to advance your life if you look at prayer this way you will not pray consistently joyfully many times your prayer life will just be a drag think about it what if what if that's how you thought about your kids or your spouse got to engage these people and go through these motions because this is my this is my lot in life this is what i have before me so the thing i got to do to advance Move forward. Do the right thing. I mean, do you you see how stale your relationship would be? How bland your love would be? How obligatory your devotion would be? Prayer should not be a religious tool to get what you hope or to advance your life. Prayer needs to be a talking to our loving, almighty Father in heaven who reigns on high, who has paid a high price to make us his forever. If this is the case, then prayer is a joyful thing that we will do all the time and we will do for one another. This is how the gospel makes our praying for one another not only possible, but a true joy and privilege. Let me remind you, prayer is our opportunity to recognize God is in control. He is at work in all things. He is in control. It's not about getting God to do what we want Him to do. but It's more about yielding the things on our heart, the people that we love, to Him and trusting them to Him and asking for His will to be done. That we would be joining Him in what He's going to do not trying to get him to manipulate what we want to be done. Why is praying for one another so important? Because God is in control. When we stop praying for one another, we stop seeing him as central to it all. Why is praying for one another so important? Because when we don't, we forfeit one of the most central joys of being restored to and united to God and being a part of the family of God. To constantly go to God, who is central in all things, and look to Him to lead and to work and give wisdom, to be glorified, is truly a great joy and privilege. Without this, we will attempt to interact with one another in our own power. Then wisdom and work and leadership that I or we shepherds have for you will be apart from God. So prayer keeps us focused on Him. It's the same for you with one another. Doing all the one another's, love one another, encourage one another, admonish one another, honor one another, serve one another. 
doing these without prayer means you attempt to do them in your own power, apart from God. I won't love you. I won't encourage you. I won't honor you if God is not the center of it all. So we must pray. We must be reminded all the time how dependent on Him we are. We must remember our loved ones are best at the feet of the King of Kings. Why else do we need to pray for one another? We need to pray for one another because we are at war, church. Prayer is a wartime weapon. Do you realize you're at war? Did you come to church this morning because this is a gathering to be prepared for war this week? Why would we attempt to fight without prayer, without God equipping us and being dependent on Him? Paul speaks of this so well in Ephesians chapter 6. 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. And to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. That's Paul's way of saying, praying for one another. Supplication for all the saints. We're not just to suit up and then sit around. We're called to suit up and to pray. And to pray. And to pray. And to pray at all times. To keep alert by making supplication for all the saints, for one another. Supplication means prayers. Church, are you praying for all the saints? Are you praying for one another? We are at war. We're exiles in this time and place. It's not just you. It's us. It's the family of God. We must be praying for one another. Had a great parenting in the digital age class we offered yesterday here on a Saturday morning and 60 of you were here dig in to grow to consider parenting with all the digital influences that are coming out our children our families one of the one of the reasons one of the takeaways that was really cool to hear from a number of you adults is this was good for me things that I've been slacking in all the call for time for you to have your face buried in your phone and in media and computers. One of the great joys of just putting that stuff away, of being accountable to it, is that you have time now to do other things like pray for one another. (laughs) Amen? We need to pray for one another so our faith would endure and grow. I love Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, three chapters sooner, uh, 16 through 19. According to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with 
power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. All Christians know Christ loved them or they would not have saving faith. If you don't know Christ loves you, you don't have saving faith. But the question here is, is that faith at work? It's one thing to have a bank account. It's another thing to draw on that bank account. It's one thing to have God as Father and Jesus as Savior, and it's another thing to be strengthened with power through His Spirit. It's another thing to be rooted and grounded in love. It's another thing to have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. We need not just believe the glory of God is within us, but to experience it. To be overwhelmed by it and moved by it. We do this by praying. In your prayers for yourselves and for one another, are you asking for a deepening faith and application of that faith at work like Paul is here? Eyes to see and hear. Attentiveness to the gospel's 24-7 work and power. That we too might be transformed and others around us might see the gospel be saved and have a new identity and make war with the lies and the lostness of the temporary world we live in. Church, we need to be praying for one another that our faith endures and grows, perseveres. We need to pray for one another as an active way of loving and fighting for one another. Paul says in Romans 15.30, I appeal to you, brothers, I appeal to you by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. The basic point of this verse is to motivate the Roman Christians to strive, to struggle. That word is fight It's not passive. There's a leaning in. There's a fight in this prayer to God. For Paul, as he goes to Jerusalem with a contribution for the poor Christians of the city, the plea is not casual. It's not laid back. It's not easy going. There's a striving. There's a struggling in prayer. Two incentives for them to struggle in prayer, to fight in prayer, as Paul ministers, first, by our Lord Jesus Christ, and second, by the love of the Spirit. Did you notice those? He calls us, by our Lord Jesus Christ, to strive in prayer. What does that mean? Jesus Christ is Lord, and has the right and the authority to do whatever pleases the Godhead in creation. So we pray with confidence that, as he said in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18, all authority has been given to him in heaven and earth. That's who we're praying to. By our Lord Jesus Christ. He also says, by the love of the Spirit, strive together with me in your prayers. We must pray because this is a big way that the Spirit works out love among the brethren. How important our prayers are for one another. That we must embrace this command and practice it. Put our faith to work. The next part of the verse, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The righteous man is righteous 
because of Christ and not because of anything he's performed. This is a way of him saying, a beloved blood-bought brother or sister in Christ. The prayers of a blood-bought brother or sister in Christ has great power in its working. You don't need to read that as, I find the really most righteous person I know and their prayers have more power than the others. That's not what this is saying. We need to pray for one another in the power of Christ and for the glory of Christ. The righteous person is not necessarily a mature or a long-time believer. They're simply unified with Christ in the atonement of His blood, therefore standing in His righteousness. This leads me to help us see the great power as it's working, who that belongs to. It doesn't belong to the words of the person praying or the maturity of the person praying. It belongs to Jesus. Christ in us, at work in and through us. It is the power of God at work. Oh, how powerful God is. Colossians 1.16 By Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. How supreme is God in all creation? The utmost. Why? Because all of creation is the result of His command. As we sang about earlier, everything that is, is because of the work of God. How supreme and powerful He is. He determines the number of the stars. He gives them all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Psalm 147, 4 and 5. The power of prayer is not our delivery, church. It's not the amount of faith you have. It is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 4.20 For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. The power of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Because the God of all power is working in and through them. Because they're not righteous outside of Jesus. Because the God of power is working. Do you know this, church, when you pray? Do you embrace the presence of God and submit yourself to the power of God? Next, James gives us an example of the power of God at work in the prayers of Elijah. And he wants to make an important point here. Look with me at verse 17 and 18. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Now track with me here, make sure we rightly read this. Elijah is one of the most prolific, popular Jewish leaders in all of history. His prayers and works to honor God are some of the greatest recorded in Holy Scripture. His resume is legit. But his stature and his importance are not why James highlights this as an example. It's the opposite. He's pointing out that Elijah was a man just like you and me. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. In other words, his prayers were given in the same act of faith that our prayers are given. In the same power of God. The fact that God did mighty things in answering the prayers of Elijah means that we can and will do mighty things in answer, and that he will and can do mighty things in answering our prayers too. 
The Bible records that Elijah was hungry, afraid, depressed. Yet, when he prayed, earnestly, incredible things happened. It did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain on the earth, and it produced its fruit. While 1 Kings 17 records the drought, only James here gives duration and links the prayers of Elijah. The examples James uses of Elijah here point out his fervent prayer life, which helps us be reminded what we've also read already and studied throughout Scripture, that we are to pray regularly, without ceasing. The point is is to see that it's the power of God at work. It wasn't the stature of Elijah that created these things. He was just like us. So I ask you, church, this morning, are you praying for one another? Are you praying for your family? Your church family? Are you praying for your elders? Are you praying for your missionaries? For your staff? Are you praying for your children? Are you praying for our shut-ins? Are you praying for those who God has ordained are over you in authority, in our government, in our community? I want you to know that we want to pray for you. And one of the easy ways we've given you a way to do that, to allow us to pray for you, is that little green card we give you every week. Will you pull that out again real quick? It's in your bulletin. See, Marilyn asked you to do this earlier, and some of you still didn't do it. If you need a pen, they're in the back. And I'd love for my team to be really busy for like a couple days putting together all the prayer requests this week because the room's really full, praise God. And what a joy it would be to have to spend hours and hours this week in prayer. Share with us what we can be praying for with you, but also share with us how we can be praising God with you. Help us to pray with your one child who's really struggling lately. Help us to pray for the struggles that you're facing in your home or or the obstacles that are going on at work. Help us to pray for the people around you that you're praying would have saving faith. What's God put on your heart? Don't throw away that piece of paper every week. Put it to use. If you're a member, throw your info on that side. If you're a guest, help us to know who you are and on the other side and include your prayer there. Our team, our leaders, our prayer team will pray over those. If you, for whatever reason, want only your elders to work with that prayer through our team, then you can mark that too. But as much as we can be praying for one another, I'd encourage you to allow us to do that. I also want you to consider prayer for and by your elders and teaching team. Every week, our elders and teaching team try to make themselves available down front or here on campus to and at our midweek gatherings to pray with you. And the staff and those of us who are here during the week, we'd love to pray with you. And, we, and I'd love to encourage you maybe to take those as opportunities to pray for us. Come on and say, I just want to pray for you today. Also, are you praying for each other? To do this, you need to be known. That you would begin to know other brothers and sisters in our church so they can be praying with you. So, your hamburger can wait a few more minutes. Stick around. Visit. Get to know each other. Come to midweek. Come to different things that we're doing where we can know each other and walk together. Pray for one another. Get each other's information, emails, phones to to reach out and be interacting and praying for one another. 
This is James' point, church, that the righteous, all those who belong to Jesus, prayers are powerful because it is God who is powerful to do the most amazing things according to his will. So don't get caught up in thinking that some prayers are better than others if you have this person pray instead of this person. Just prayer in Jesus' name by Jesus' faithful followers is all we need. Amen? That's all of you who belong to Jesus praying for one another. May it be our joyful practice with one another as our faith remains at work until he calls us home. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for this time together in your holy word. We thank you for you ordaining James' emphasis in the end of this letter, whereby we get to slow and think about this important and wonderful gift to talk with you in prayer. We thank you for your holy word. For we don't hear from you audibly, we hear from you through your written word, and it is a great gift. We thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit to move and to motivate, convict. We thank you for the ongoing work of Jesus to intercede, that we ongoingly stand in his righteous perfection and not our own. We thank you for your faithfulness to love us, to hear us, to discipline us, to refine us, and to move and work your power in your sovereign, holy ways. Be glorified, God. Be worshipped and exalted. May your name be on our lips throughout this week as we go, as we serve. We love you. Hear us now as we worship you corporately in praise and song and prepare to go about this day and week, if you will. In Jesus' name we pray.